Hey, man, welcome back to week two of our Breakthrough Disciplines series. John, today we're going to talk about probably the most fundamental spiritual discipline. Today's discipline is one that's so easy that a three-year-old can do it, but it's so rich and powerful that we're still growing in this discipline, even if we've been a follower of Jesus for 50 years or more. We're going to talk today about the spiritual discipline of, wait for it, prayer. How to pray. How do you pray, John? How do you pray for breakthrough? Well, I can imagine some of our listeners can get a little uncomfortable when it comes to prayer. I know I can. Uh, and if that's you, I want to read a verse that, that may encourage you. I think you're going to find you're in better company than you thought. This is from Luke chapter 11, verse 1. It says, One day Jesus was praying in a certain place. When he finished, one of his disciples said to him, Lord, teach us to pray. Jesus' own disciples, the men who followed him around, who were able to see his miracles firsthand, who were able to hear his teaching, said, teach us to pray. So, so they didn't get it either. They weren't comfortable. They wanted to know how to pray more effectively. And it's so encouraging to me that they were humble, that they were honest about it. It's encouraging to me that the Bible is honest about it, that Scripture is, is honest about you know, the weaknesses of the disciples. And essentially, they said, Jesus, we don't know how to pray. Teach us to pray. So maybe that's you today as you're listening to this podcast. Maybe you're thinking, you know, I want to have breakthrough in my life. I want to have breakthrough from anxiety and anger, bitterness, and depression. But if prayer is the answer, I'm not sure I even know how to pray. Well, again, you're in good company because even Jesus' disciples weren't sure how to pray. So this is going to be relevant for you. And I really think, guys, by the end of today, you're going to be encouraged. Yeah, and by the way, this is the part of Scripture where Jesus then, in answer to their question, teaches how to pray, he he lays out the what we call today the Lord's Prayer. And we'll get to that. We'll kind of break down the Lord's Prayer a little bit and talk about maybe some of the elements in the Lord's Prayer that can be a pattern for us. But John, before we even get to that, I think for, especially for the men who are listening, um, we're just assuming, guys, that you are not great at this. Uh, we're not going to assume that you've, you, you know, you've got this incredible discipline of prayer in your life. So we're going to get to some basics and also to some deeper truths here. I think the first thing, John, when when men are trying to establish a discipline, is that they just they need to schedule it. <laughs> I know that doesn't sound super spiritual, but I know for me, if it's not on my calendar then it's not going to happen. If, if, it's not, if, if I don't have an expectation that there's going to be a time and a place that works for me to, to do some prayer, spend some time on my knees, quote unquote, then it's probably not going to happen. Well, we're talking about disciplines, right? Any discipline, there has to be intentionality. It, it takes a while for it to become a habit. So since we're talking about the discipline of prayer, it's going to take some effort. It's going to take some scheduling. You know, this is prayer that is intentional and consistent, guys. We're not, we're not talking about today just lifting up a prayer of desperation when you're in a difficult spot. Now, God listens to those prayers. I'm not saying don't pray when that stuff happens, but we're talking about a consistent discipline of prayer. And Jesus is really our model for this. We see Jesus do this all the time. I'll give you just a couple of verses Mark chapter 1, verse 35 says, Before daybreak the next morning, Jesus got up and went out to an isolated place to pray. 
Luke 6.12, one day soon afterwards, Jesus went up on a mountain to pray, and he prayed to God all night. And when you're reading through the Gospels, you'll see several verses in the Bible when it's talking about Jesus and his prayer life, it'll say, as was his custom. So th this was a common thing for Jesus. This was a habit. It was consistent. Even Jesus had a time and a place. So if he needed that, if the Son of God, you know, fully God, fully man, needed time and prayer at the Father, how much more do you and I need it? Now, I would recommend just starting with five minutes a day. You know, start small if, if prayer is new for you. And I'm sure some of you are thinking, wait a minute, five minutes a day, John, I, I spend way more than five minutes a day in prayer already. Well, if that's you, that's great. I mean, that's, that's awesome. But some of you probably think, five minutes? <laughs> How can I concentrate in prayer for five minutes? <laughs> Well, you can do it. And, and we're going to get into some practical things, you know, some some acronyms and some other stuff that, that can help you get through that five minutes. But that would be my first encouragement, guys. Find a time, find a place, and, and find a place that works for you. You know, Brian, for me, I usually pray before I before I leave the bedroom, either in my bed or you know, if I really know there's something that's heavy on my heart, I'll get out of my bed and kneel beside the bed and pray there. Uh, and I try to do that to to help me settle into the day. There's also a place at, at the church and upstairs office we have where I spend a lot of time in prayer. Now, for my wife, it's the kitchen table. That That is definitely my wife's prayer spot. Unless it's nice and warm outside, then it's on the back deck. But that that's her place. And what will happen to your brain is if you use the same place and same time on a regular basis, it kind of rewires your brain that when you get there, you're like, okay, it's prayer time. You know, so for example, you've probably heard all the studies say if you want to sleep better, don't have a TV in your bedroom. Because when you go in the bedroom, you you know, your brain wants to go, okay, now it's time to go to sleep. There's not all these other other distractions here. It's kind of the same with our prayer life. Like when you get used to to praying in the same location, the same time, it helps your mind settle in for prayer. So John, I'll confess when I, when I was a young believer, a young man, um, I read all these books on prayer, Andrew Murray, you know, some of these great, great books and these great prayer warriors. And I would, I would read about these, these guys who would pray for two hours a day. And so I had this expectation as a young Christian that if it wasn't, you know, if my knees weren't bleeding, <laughs> then I wasn't doing it right. If I, and I granted, I grew up in more of a charismatic church. And so I, you know, people in, in my church growing up, when they prayed, man, they got into it. They got pretty excited, pretty fired up about it. So for me, even, even today now, as a as a full up, full on grown up, I've been a believer a long, long time. There's still like a part of me that feels like it should be more than five minutes. So, you know, let's talk just for a second about about the idea of starting with five minutes, because I like it's to me, it's like what we tell people about giving. It's not about it's, it's not like there's a hard, fast rule about tithing, but rather we should grow in the grace of giving and it should be proportionate. So I always tell people who are new to giving. In fact, I just had this conversation with a with a couple that we're mentoring and and they said, is it should we give should we give on 10 percent of our net or our gross? And I said, look, just start somewhere. There's not a hard, fast rule. Start somewhere, even if it's starting at 2% and grow 
you know, so start somewhere so you can grow in that. So John, maybe speak to that just in terms of, does it go beyond? Because I would hope it does for a lot of people listening that you start with five minutes, but then at some point you realize you're actually spending more time in prayer than just five minutes a day. Yeah, absolutely. We are saying start with five minutes if, if it hasn't been a pattern for you. So for some of you listening, again, you're already saying, John, I already pray more than five minutes a day. Great. Don't go back down to five. But if you've never developed this habit of consistent daily time with God and conversation, and that, that's really what prayer is. Prayer is a conversation with the Almighty God of the universe. And like any other good conversation, that means there's going to be times where you're talking, but there's also going to be times where you're listening. And so again, we're going to get into some of the practical application of that, uh, but but definitely, I would hope that your prayer life would grow from five minutes to to ten minutes to twenty minutes, and then you know some days you might have that hour to two hour long time in prayer. Now, depending upon the stage of life you're in, you know if if you're a young dad with two or three kids in the home and you're working full time and you know there's soccer practice and you're active in your church. I mean, realistically, are you going to be able to spend two hours a day in prayer every day? Probably not. And and I think that's okay. I don't think you should feel guilt or shame over that. But I do think no matter how busy you are, you can at least set aside five to 10 minutes for time and conversation with God. And I, I'll just say this for me, it's the busiest days where I better make sure I spend some time with the Lord. <laughs> And mm-hmm. and I don't always, you know, I, I confess, guys, sometimes it gets pushed off. And man, that's a mistake because when I'm really, you know, running hard, when I'm really doing a lot of different things, that's that's when I need the wisdom of God. I need him to direct my steps. I need him to strengthen and encourage me. Uh, I need him to sometimes help me realize, well, what what should I cut out? What you know, what do I need to pare out? What is becoming an idol in my life? And I, I can't do that if I'm not spending time talking with him. Yeah, and I'll confess too, John, I, you know, even though I had that picture in my mind, I've never accomplished that. <laughs> I've never gotten to the point consistently in my life where I'm spending a couple hours a day in prayer. And so I'm not, I don't, I don't want to put that burden on our listeners. But I, what I do want to say to our listeners is grow in the grace of prayer, just like Paul says to grow in the grace of giving. Like learn learn the discipline for a few minutes a day, five minutes a day, 10 minutes a day, and then push yourself to spend more time in prayer. And, and one, of the, one of the keys to that, I think, John, is for people to understand that prayer isn't just about asking for things. And so one of the acronyms that I've year, used for years, I think I learned this when I was in junior high or high school, is the, the PRAY acronym, P-R-A-Y. There's nothing you know, super spiritual or mystical about this. It's just a really simple reminder for our listeners about the different elements of prayer. So let's talk through those those four elements. The P stands for praise, that part of your prayer time is really to start off praising God and telling Him what He means to you. And one of the ways you can do that is, is John, even just using some Scripture, praying Scripture. Psalm 145 is a great way to to lead off your prayer time. It says, I will exalt you, my God and King, and praise your name forever and ever. I will praise you every day. Yes, I will praise you forever. Great is the Lord. He is most worthy of praise. No one can measure his greatness. 
You know, it is so easy to make our prayer time just about us if if we're not careful that it can become just an asking session. You know, God, here's what I need or here's what I want. God, here's what is giving me anxiety. But remember, prayer is conversation with God. So think about your other relationships, your relationship with your spouse, your kids, your friends. If the only time you talked to them is when you were asking them to do something for you, what kind of relationship would that be? It wouldn't be healthy. (laughs) It's probably one where eventually those friends wouldn't want to have conversations with you because the only time you come to them is when you have a need. And I don't know about for the other guys, maybe it's just me, but I remember for the longest time, I didn't really understand what it meant to praise God. So maybe uh, some of our listeners are going, well, what what do you mean by praising God? Well, the easiest way to praise God is just start out by saying things, just declare things that you know are true about God. God, you're almighty. God, you're omnipresent. God, you're gracious. God, you're holy. All of those are ways to just praise God. You're just simply affirming the amazing attributes that God has. And then I think thanksgiving is also a a way to praise God when we lift up thanksgiving. And I, I would just caution men, don't just thank God for the things that he's done, although that's important, but thank God for who he is. Thank God that he's gracious towards you. Thank God that he's long-suffering. Thank God that he's righteous. Thank God that one day he's going to right all the wrongs. One day he's going to take away all the pain and all the sin and all the sorrow. Those are all things we can thank him for. And then we can certainly narrow it down. Thank you, God, for that new job you gave me. Thank you, God, that my kids are healthy. Right, we we can make it very personal, but but I recommend to our listeners all your prayer time start out with prayer and thanksgiving. Yeah, what I do, John, when I almost every time I sit down in my prayer closet, quote unquote, is my office, um, and so I go to my office. It's I close the door. It's a quiet place. I, I typically do it in the morning, um, and I like to put on worship. I've got a just different albums I listen to, just different playlists I've put together over the years, just worship music that that kind of gets me there, puts me in that spot. Sometimes for me, I'll just sing along to the song that I'm listening to for the first. I mean, so 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 guys who are listening, think about this. If you if you put on two worship songs at the beginning of your prayer time and you just sing along and just really spend some time worshiping God during those songs. You you probably just prayed for ten minutes. That's awesome. <laughs> and that you know, I wanted I want guys to hear this. That counts. That counts. Re- reading the a scripture, a psalm, reading it, reciting it. That counts. <laughs> you know that that's part of your prayer time. So you can see how five minutes could go really really fast. You can see how if you practice this and you and you include some other elements instead of just asking for stuff which is what i think what most people think about when they think about prayer man you could get there are times john when i when i just got kind of get caught up just worshiping god what one of my favorite things to do is if i take a, a road trip by myself maybe i've got a i've got an hour drive to get to one of our campuses is i just put worship music on for the first 20 minutes and I'm just worshiping God. And that just naturally leads me, in, me into more of a prayer time. And so it becomes more of a habit in my life. It becomes more of um, 
Like it's not, I'm not looking at the clock. I think when I first did this, I was like, did I, have I prayed enough? <laughs> you know, have I checked that box? And, and I, I think that's probably natural for a lot of people. It was for me for sure. But I've gotten to the point now where it really is just like something I, I genuinely enjoy. It's not a, you know, we talk, these are called disciplines and disciplines at first are hard. But I think once you really begin to practice them, they're enjoyable. Like you, this is what I I want for our listeners, John, is that they get to this place where they long for their prayer time. They want, they want to have that alone time. They want to get away. I think that's what Jesus was doing. Jesus, he had a busy life and he made a habit. Like you said, it was his custom to get away by himself. And he longed for that, that time, that communion with God, the father that Jesus was always looking for. I think Jesus recognized how much he needed it. Again, be, even though he was fully God, he was also fully, fully man. And so he knew he needed the connection with the Father. Uh, you know, and again, I would just say if he needed that, how much more do you and I need that? And I do think he enjoyed it. I think Jesus enjoyed the conversation. I think he enjoyed the fellowship with the Father. And that's why I think starting out our prayer time with praise, and we're still in this acronym, P-R-A-Y, and we're on the first letter praise, is because it just puts my heart in the right position. If I go to God and the very first thing I do is start asking Him for stuff, just for me, I notice I can become kind of whiny. I can I can become uh, ungrateful. But when I start with praise, when I start by reminding myself of who God is and what He's done for me, it really begins to then put the ask part into perspective. So again, guys, I'd recommend with starting with praise. And then the next letter in that acronym, the R, is for repent. So repent is, is where we confess our sins to God. We, we ask Him to search our heart and reveal sins that we may have even forgotten that we've done, right? I mean, there, there's always going to be the sins that we we remember. We know exactly what we did. We we remember that guy cutting us off in traffic and the words that came out of our mouths when he did that. Or we remember when our kids were defiant and, and we didn't handle that. But what I've learned as I've gotten older is really just how broken I am. Like the the more the more I draw close to God, the more I realize just just how sinful I am. And so often in my prayer time, once I confess those sins that were just kind of staring me in the face and I ask God to reveal to me, you know, maybe other sins I've forgotten about, holy cow, it's, it's pretty common for God to reveal things that honestly, I just kind of had dismissed. I just kind of pushed them off to the side, but those are a big deal to God, you know, and God wants us to bring those to him. And for you married men out there, Think about the pressure that this will take off of your marriage. You know, John, when you said, I, I get reminded of how sinful I am. For a lot of men listening, their wife is the only one who reminds them of how sinful they are. That's a problem. That's going to put undue stress on your marriage if it's always going to be up to your wife to call out your shortcomings because our wives know us better than anyone else. So, I mean, for real, like this is a marriage tip for guys who are listening. If you can learn how to just go before God and repent and just say, God, could you, could you shine, Holy Spirit, would you shine your spotlight on me so that I can proactively go to my wife and confess, hey, I'm so sorry I was short with you yesterday or, or I wasn't 
meeting your needs. I wasn't paying attention to you. Um, man, it'll change your marriage when you get, and isn't this true, John, when this is what the breakthroughs about is when we get our relationship with God, right. And prayer, prayer has a lot to do with that. When we get our relationship with God, right. Then what ends up happening is we end up having breakthrough in those, in those horizontal relationships in our life. And so repentance is a big part of it. Learning to confess our sins to God, to humble ourselves before him and ends up impacting our relationship with our wife, with our kids. Man, if you could you imagine, John, and I'm sure this has happened because you're a humble guy, um, where in your in your prayer time in the morning, God convic- convicts you convicts you of some things with re- in relationship to your kids. And then later in the day, you're going to your kids and asking for forgiveness. I mean, what like how is that going to impact your kids' lives? And not to mention then friendships and people at work, maybe your boss or whatever. I mean, this, this really, you know, learning to repent in your prayer time can really lead to some breakthrough in your other relationships. That scenario has played out so many times in my life with my kids, with my wife too, but I'd say even more so with my kids where yeah, God has revealed to me that I, I was either short with them or, or the discipline that I uh, implemented honestly wasn't for their good. It was for my convenience. Maybe some of the dads can relate to that, that, that sometimes I take issue with things that my kids do. They're not really disobedient. It's just not convenient for me. And, and so I discipline them. And I'll just say this, some of the sweetest times I've had with my kids, and I have a, you know, I have two boys are out of the house now and two teenage daughters still in the house. Some of the sweetest times are when I have gone to them and asked for forgiveness and and they've extended it. They've been gracious. They've been merciful. And that's so important. It's so important for them to see their parents, both dads and moms, model what it means to seek forgiveness and then to extend it because that's going to help them extend forgiveness to others in their lives as they grow up. Uh, and it And it's a great reminder to them that that God forgives them every time they come and, and seek his forgiveness. Yeah. And let me talk to young men for a second, because some of you young men struggling with purity, struggling maybe with pornography, young men, if you, if you could learn to bring the R repentance into your prayer time, again, it's so, it's so hard to confess your sins to an accountability partner, to a parent, to a friend, whatever. But if you can learn to confess your sins to God, it'll open up the door for you to confess those sins to somebody else, which is biblical to do. It's it's important for us. It's like it it takes away the control and the power of that, especially that secret sin. But so many young men listening to this have never confessed their secret sins to God, to God and therefore they've never confessed their secret sins to to a parent or a friend or an accountability partner. So young men, if you want to have breakthrough in that area of your life, begin to confess those sins to God. Let him break your heart for some of the, maybe some of the things, some of the patterns you've fallen into in your personal life. And then, and then I think you'll see how easy it is then to, to go to somebody else because God is forgiving and gracious and loving. He receives that. And, and part of the, one of the lies that young men can listen to is if they confess it, that, um, that the person who's listening isn't going to be forgiving and loving. Well, they, I think I bet you they will be. And when you learn that that's how God is with you, it can give you confidence that that's how 
that's how someone else is going to respond when you repent to them. Okay, so that's the R, John. So praise, repent. The third one is what everyone thinks of when they think about prayer, the ask. And so it is important to spend some time asking, but notice, John, we've we've started with praising God and making about making it about him, not about us. We've moved on to repenting and really kind of laying bare our hearts before him and getting our hearts right with him. And now we're in a place to spend some time asking him for stuff. You've got do you have some tips for this? Like do you have a prayer list that you bring to God? What how does that look for you in your prayer life? I do and it ranges from, you know, big things like I want the gospel to be spread. I want family and friends I know to come to Jesus and and receive salvation to to little things. You know, please <laughs> please don't let the cost for this starter that we have to put in the car to be, you know, <laughs> crazy expensive. Um, my wife is an amazing example to me of praying for the, the little things, you know, her first response in so many situations is let's pray about it. And, and I can sometimes be guilty of, of thinking I'm wasting God's time with the little things. We're not wasting God's time with, with our requests. Now we're going to bookend our ask. And we talked about praising. We talk about repenting in a minute. We're going to talk about yielding. So, so our ask is is in a framework of we want God to do what God wants to do because we can trust Him because He's good. But God wants us to present our desires to Him. He wants. It's crazy to me, but the God of the universe invites us to come and lay our request before Him. And you know, in Scripture, He says. How many of you, if you're a dad and your kid asks you for, and I'm going to butcher this a little bit, but asks you for, is it, is it bread? We'll give him a scorpion instead. I don't have the passage right in front of me. God's like, you wouldn't even do that as a broken human being. So why would hmm. your heavenly father do that to you? So, you know, God, God likes to hear our asks. And, and I think we should be bold when we present those asks to him. Yeah. A prayer list is helpful for me, Brian. I mean, especially being in ministry vocationally, I'm not just presenting asks for myself. You know, I'm presenting a lot of asks for other people. Um, mm-hmm. I, I've got a couple of people right now at my campus that are are battling stage four brain cancer. And so, you know, I, I've been asking God every day for them. You know, God, mm. God, bring healing. You're a big God. You're a powerful God. I don't care what the diagnosis is. If you want to heal them, you can heal them. But then I do yield, and we'll get to the yield in just a second. Yeah, let's actually go to, we, we, we mentioned at the beginning here today, the Lord's Prayer. You know, the disciples said, teach us how to pray. You're really good at it, Jesus, and we're not very good at it. How, how do you do it? And here's what he said. He said, pray like this. Our Father in heaven, may your name be kept holy. Okay, there's praise. May your kingdom come soon. May your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. There's yielding. I mean, he's saying, you need to make sure that this isn't just about you, that it, you know, and we'll, we'll talk more about yielding in a second, but that, but that you're yielding to him, that, that it's his will, that you want his will to be done. Whenever I think of that, may your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. How is God's will done in heaven? It's done perfectly in heaven. And so that's basically what he's saying is, hey, look, I'm not there yet. I'm not, I'm not in that place yet where I'm fully submitted to you. I know I will be in heaven when, 
when sin is gone and, and, and the struggles of this world are done, but that's not my situation right now. So, so may your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Like I want that kind of obedience now. I, I want to be obedient to your will even now. That's yielding. But then he says, he says, give us today the food we need. There's the asking. Give us today the food we need. I mean, talk about basic, just praying for basic stuff. It's, it's simple stuff. Later in the prayer, he says, don't let us yield to temptation, but rescue us from the evil one. There's some more asking. God, I, I know a lot of our young men, that's what you need. If some of our young men have never prayed about their, about their pornography struggle. Man, you're missing out if you're not if you're going to try to battle that struggle on your own, it's never going to happen. If you want breakthrough in that struggle, you've got to learn how to ask for it. Go to God and ask, God, don't let help me to not yield to, to, to temptation. Rescue me from the evil one. Pray those prayers that Jesus gave us 2000 years ago. Pray those prayers. And he says, and forgive our sins as we have forgiven those who sin against us. There's repentance. So see, even just the P-R-A-Y acronym is, is in the Lord's prayer. Jesus is showing, is teaching his disciples. It's more, it's more than just asking, but asking is still important. It's good to ask. It's appropriate to ask. He wants to hear your requests. But, but let's, let's go back to that last one then, John, yielding. Yielding for me, I think, has become probably my favorite part of my prayer time. Because for me, it's at, it's at the end of my prayer time. I've, you know, I do. I bring my lists to God. I pray for all these different people. I've got a bunch of prayer lists once I get to the ask time that I kind of go through. I rotate through those. And then at the end of the time, I just kind of put that away. And I'm just like, all right, God, it's let your will be done. I'm yielding to you. And that's a little bit harder for me. But that's when I'm really, instead of trying to talk, that's when I'm trying to listen. I think that's why yielding, I'll just be honest, is the hardest part for me, not because I don't want to submit to God's will. I mean, sometimes that's the case, but it's because God doesn't typically audibly talk to me. I think that's why prayer can be so difficult for men in particular. I mean, let's be honest. If when we sat down and and we hit our knees and we prayed to God, he audibly talked back. Hey, John, thanks for coming to me in prayer today. It's good to hang out with you, John. Hey, I heard that request, John, but but here's what I'm going to do instead because I know better for your life. If God did that, oh my word, we men would be on our knees 12 hours a day, every day. But at least for me, God doesn't speak audibly very often. I mean, I've followed Jesus for over 40 years. I can only think of two times in my whole life where I felt like I I heard the audible voice of God, or at least very close to it. So the the yielding for me, that's when my mind can wander the most, Brian, because I'm I'm not hearing from God. And so some of the stuff you mentioned earlier that you use in your praise time, worship music, for example, or even just reading through scripture, I, I've started to incorporate that kind of at the end of my prayer time as well in my yielding time because I find that it helps me to it helps me to hear God that often as I'm yielding to God a lyric in that worship song I'll feel like God is saying this is what I want you to do right now or when I'm reading a passage of scripture a verse will just jump out from the page to me and I feel like God is 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 speaking to me and then sometimes it's just that still small voice of the Holy Spirit speaking to me. But yeah, yielding is definitely when I'm trying to just, 
And it may sound corny, but I'll even just like sit with my palms facing up like this position of surrender. Like, okay, God, I'm really, Mm -hmm. I'm really not sure how you want me to yield today. I'm really not, I can't hear you. I don't hear your audible voice. So I'm not, not a hundred percent sure of what to do next, but, but this is my posture towards you. I, I want I want you to know that you have control. Yeah, sometimes I, this is my yielding time is when I have my journal open, ready to write down just kind of thoughts that come to mind. Um, again, I've I've never heard the audible voice of God, but there are so many times in my prayer times, and usually it's at this last part of it when I just have ideas that come into mind into my mind, and I'm not going to claim that they're directly from God. I don't know. Maybe they are, maybe they're not, but that's, it's what happens at the end of my prayer time. And so a lot of times I'll write those down, reach out to so-and-so, you know, send a card to this guy, shoot this guy a text, shoot this, this person a, a topic or a link to a podcast. So a lot of times my yielding is where I get, I get like marching orders from God. I, I take some maybe some actions for the day, even just small ones, not major things. I mean, now sometimes it is major stuff. You know, I think sometimes, sometimes we're not really, we're talking about the discipline of prayer, but there are times, right, John, where, where guys, you need to go away for a day to pray. And that's where you pray and you fast and you, you know, so there are, there have been seasons in, in my life, just like Jesus did. Jesus went away for 40 days at the beginning of his ministry. I told my son, AJ, uh, you know, the other day he's finishing up college and, and I said, you need to, you need to go just have some time away and just really seek God and his will for your life. Like, so there are moments in, in your life where you should get away. You know, he went, he drove to Yosemite. So he, he took like a two day trip just by himself, stayed in his car. I mean, and that was his wilderness experience. Just at, he took some hikes and just trying to seek God's will for his life. So, so there's so many other ways to slice this up, John, but, but the idea is prayer is so much more than just bringing your request to God, although it is that, but it's so much more than that. So let's hit some of these kind of miscellaneous things, John, as, as we help, you know, as we kind of wrap up and help guys really understand how to do this. I, what you mentioned this already, but man, this is, maybe we should just come out and be honest about this with men. I feel like my mind, my mind wanders all the time. I feel like I'm kind of like ADHD a little bit. The discipline of Bible study, which we'll talk about next, is so much easier for me than the discipline of prayer. Prayer is hard for me. Um, and so what do, what do we do for guys that struggle to focus when they pray? Yeah, I think this will be one of our most practical tips for today, men. And Brian just shared some of his struggle. I'm right there with you. I mean, I can, I can almost bet that at least once or twice during the week in my prayer time, I'm going to be praying, you know, God, please help me to be more patient. Help me to be more kind to my family. Thank you for your provision. I got to stop and get gas on the way into work. And it's like, wait, what, where did, where did that come from? (laughs) You know, and then I refocus and then two minutes later it happens again. Uh, so if you can relate to this, man, this this might be the most practical tip. If your mind wanders, that doesn't mean you're not spiritual. Maybe it means that's what you should be praying about. So so mm. instead of saying, I'm a terrible person, I I keep thinking about how angry I am at so-and-so, well, then stop and capture that thought. 
maybe that's what God is trying to reveal to you. And you know, we talked earlier about confessing our sins. So if you keep noticing that you're angry at someone, or if you keep noticing that you're stressed out over that big report you have to present at work, stop, pray about that. You know, ask, ask God first and foremost to remind you that, that he's sovereign and he's in control. He's got this, you know, um, but, but if your mind keeps wandering to all these to-do list items, ask God to help you keep the first things first. You know, ask God to help you not let the urgent push away the important. Ask him to give you peace and wisdom as you try to prioritize things. Don't just, you know, push those under the bed, so to speak, or try to sweep them under the rug. Stop and pray about that. When you find your mind wandering, let that be a trigger. Uh, there's a, a book called The Life You've Always Wanted that John Ortberg writes. A lot of it is about prayer, and he says the following, if my mind keeps returning to a particular topic during prayer, it's probably an indication that that's the topic that is of most concern to me, and I need to talk to God about it. So if you find that thing keeps popping up, whatever it is, go ahead and, and wrestle with that in prayer. Go ahead and hand that over to God and say, God, clearly this thing keeps popping up. This is getting my attention. Help me process this. You know, sometimes I also, another trick that I use, John, is I, so I, I have stickies in my office and sometimes I'll write down some of those things that are just pure distractions. I'll, I'll write like a to-do list kind of things. That's like get, getting the gas. I got to remember to get gas or whatever. The way my mind works, sometimes it's stuff that's not even prayer worthy stuff. It's, but it's still a distraction for me. I'll write those down on those stickies as they come up. Um, and I'll stick it on my wall and I'll, I'll just, okay. It'll be like a physical reminder that I'm just going to lay that aside. I'll, I'll get to that later, but, but it, a lot of times that kind of helps me to clear my mind from that kind of stuff and know I can handle that later. I'll do that later. And it gets it kind of off my plate. So that's another thing for, for the guys who are listening, saying, does, should I really be praying about getting gas? Should I really? Yeah. So some of those things some of those things are just distractions, but some of those things are things that you need to just spend some time praying about. So those are two ways to handle those things. John, what about another kind of miscellaneous for guys as they're wondering this? You know, I mentioned that I grew up in a charismatic church. And so for us, prayer was like super fervent and and really like if you weren't kind of getting excited, then you weren't praying. That that's how my church was. And other people pray really really chill, really quiet. What, what, and even just the idea of some people thinking that I, do I have the right to, to boss God around? It feels like I'm bossing God around when I'm praying too boldly. How, how boldly should people pray? Well, I think we should definitely pray with boldness because the Bible says we can. So Hebrews chapter four, verses 14 and 16 so then, since we have a great high priest who has entered heaven, Jesus, the Son of God, let us hold firmly to what we believe. This high priest of ours understands our weaknesses, for he faced all the same testings we do, yet he did not sin. So let us come boldly to the throne of our gracious God. There we will receive his mercy, and we will find grace to help us when we need it most. So absolutely, we should pray with boldness, but it's not because of anything we've done. We can pray with boldness because of what Jesus did for us. And in this passage, you know, the author is referencing back to this Old Testament image 
of the priest. And the priest, when they would go into the Holy of Holies, and they would only do it once a year, they went in with incredible fear and trembling. You know, this this was a very reverent thing. This was something that they didn't do lightly. It was in that Holy of Holies that the God's Spirit was said to dwell. Uh, and, and they went in on the Day of Atonement, this one day of the year. And he would go in there to represent the people before God. And, and he walked in with fear and trembling because any misstep in the presence of God, he was afraid it, it could be the end. Like this, this could be the end of me. So that's the imagery the author of Hebrews is using. But then look what he says in the passage that we have a great high priest, Jesus. And Jesus didn't enter the Holy of Holies. He entered heaven because he's the son of God. So we have this great high priest who has gone before God on our behalf. He's been our mediator. We don't have to be afraid. You know, we don't have to come in with fear and trembling. Now, certainly we approach the throne of God with reverence, with awe, but but we don't have to have fear and trembling when we approach God's throne because of what Jesus did. So don't be afraid to tell him everything that's on your heart. You know, don't be afraid to tell him your desires. Be honest with God. He already knows. He already knows everything that's in your heart. You know, the Bible says that some of you have not because you ask not. So I think we should ask and pray with boldness. Now, I do want to be careful, Brian. We're not, we're not talking about a name it and claim it type of prayer life. We're not saying that because you and I get to come in boldly that we get to boss God around. We've already talked about yielding, right? We've already talked about praising him. So I'm not saying to boldly tell God you want a new Mercedes, and as long as you're bold enough, you're going to get it. Or even, you know, even on a deeper level, I'm not saying that if a loved one has a terminal illness, that you can pray hard enough or with enough boldness, and I can guarantee you they're going to be healed. I can't. I don't know God's will for their life. But I do know this. Whenever I pray for healing for someone, I pray with boldness. I, I never say, you know, God, if you if you could heal them or... You know, I say, God, I know you can heal them if it's your will. I know that this this disease is nothing for you if it's your will to bring them healing. And and I pray, I keep praying that prayer until He lets me know otherwise. Uh, to me, this is this is a good a good rule of thumb, guys. Until God has revealed to you that His will is not to bring healing, you should pray for healing. You should keep asking. You be that persistent widow who kept going to the judge and wore him out. You know, you keep going to God and pray for it. But then if God reveals to you, hey, that's not my plan, that's not my will, then I think that's where we we yield and say, okay, God, I can trust you in this. Yeah, this is the tension that we've, I mean, as pastors, John, we feel this all the time. People come forward for prayer. And I, I've learned to be a little bit more comfortable in the tension. But there's still tension there because I do, I want to pray with boldness. I don't want to hedge my bets when I'm praying for somebody. I want to genuinely say, God, you're the Jesus, you are the great physician. We know that you can heal. We know that you can touch this person's body and take away this cancer. You can do what the doctors can't do. You can do what medicine can't do. I pray all of those things with boldness. But then I almost always pray like Jesus did, but God not my will be done, but yours be done. So it's kind of like this. I think some people have a hard time with this, but it really is. It's you're praying with boldness, but you're also praying with submission. So you're doing both at the same time. And so for some people, that'll be a real, that'll be a new, a new discipline for them to learn to pray with boldness, 
but also to be submitted just like Jesus did in the garden. Yeah, you mentioned the garden, Brian, Matthew 26, verse 39, says he went on a little farther and bowed with his face to the ground, praying, my father, if it is possible, let this cup of suffering be taken away from me, yet I want your will to be done, not mine. And look at the first part of that prayer. It says, my father, if it's possible, let this cup of suffering be taken away from me. Do you think Jesus prayed that timidly? I don't think he prayed that timidly at all. I think he prayed that with boldness. You know, just before this verse, he told his disciples, my soul is exceedingly sorrowful, even to the point of death. Someone whose soul is sorrowful to the point of death doesn't lift up a timid prayer. Like it's a bold prayer. I mean, some of you men, you've been in a desperate situation. You've had that loved one that was on the operating table. You know, you've You've had that financial disaster where if God didn't come through, you're going to lose your home. I'll bet you your prayer wasn't timid. I'll bet your prayer was in boldness. And Jesus said, if there's any way possible that this cup of suffering be taken away from me, this cup of your wrath, this cup of your fury, please take it from me. Yet I want your will to be done, not mine. You know, it's interesting, Brian. I, I've thought about this often. The Bible doesn't tell us how much time passed between those two sentences? Was it a second? You know, did Jesus, did he say it as fast as we read it? Was it 30 seconds? Was it three minutes? I, I don't know. I know that all creation held its breath as Jesus, being fully God, but also fully man, wrestled with the consequences of submitting to the Father's will. Anyway, just, just something to speculate over, guys. I don't have the answer for you, but it's something I've thought about a lot. Well, I think it's good for guys to hear this, because I, I know, depending on the tra church tradition you come from, I know that there are some people who feel like when they pray with boldness and God doesn't answer their prayer, then there's something wrong with their faith, or there's something wrong with their life, even worse. God's not answering it because I didn't earn it, because I'm not righteous enough, or, or because I didn't pray with enough faith. And I think there's like the Word of Faith movement um, teaches this, and that is to me, that is so dangerous and unbiblical, because according to that logic, then Jesus didn't have enough faith. Either that or he wasn't righteous enough, because God the Father didn't answer his prayer. Look, he prayed, if it is possible, let this cup of suffering be taken away from me, and it wasn't. Jesus went to the cross. So did Jesus lack faith? Was Jesus imperfect? No. No, this, that's why I love this. This, to me, is like such a, a it's such a, key to unlock the heart of prayer that we should have. We should be bold and pray according to how we're, how we're feeling at the moment, which is what Jesus was doing. He, he genuinely was asking the Father to take the cup of suffering away, genuinely was, but he was genuinely saying, I'm submitted to the will of the Father. And that, that's the tension, I think, that we need to learn to be comfortable with, that at the end of the day, God's in charge, God's in control. But we're going we're gonna to partner with him as much as we can. We're going to partner with him through prayer, and then we're going to trust him at the end of the day. Well, when we get into this habit, this discipline of prayer, I think what happens, I've seen this happen in my life, not, not to the extent I want it to. I'm still growing in this area. But when we first come to God you know, boldly, it, it's, it's about what's on our heart. You know, it's, it's what's important to us. But the more we get to know God, the more we get to experience real relationship with Him, His patience, His kindness, His goodness, 
the more that you'll begin to want to know what's on his heart. So we begin to boldly approach God to find out what's on his heart. And that only happens when we listen. It happens when we come to God with a humble heart, with an attitude that recognizes he's God and I'm not. You know, a submitted listening heart says to God, I want you more than anything else. A submitted listening heart rests in the truth of Psalm 37, 4, which says, delight yourself in the Lord and he will give you the desires of your heart. So when you delight yourself in the Lord, when, when you come to God and say, God, you know, really at the end of the day, what I want is your will to be done in my life. What I want is more of you. That is a prayer I can promise you God will answer. You know, you were just talking about, Brian, that the, some of the misconceptions out there about if you just pray with enough boldness, if you just pray with enough faith, then you can kind of make God do what you want him to do. That, that's just not biblical. But Psalm 37, 4 tells me if I delight in the Lord, if, if I get to the place where what I want is what he wants, then he's going to give me the desires of my heart. All right. Well, that's how to pray for breakthrough. Again, this is lesson two in our Breakthrough Disciplines series at PursueGod.org. Find it at PursueGod.org forward slash breakthrough. Go through it with a family member, with your family and family devotionals. Go through it with a mentor or with your small group. We'll catch you next week.